welcome to ADIPEC Energy Dialogues, our series of conversations with industry thought leaders. I'm Gaurav Sharma. Today, we are delighted to have with us Dr. Peter Tervish, who is the president of industrial automation at Swiss multinational giant, ABB. Peter, welcome to the broadcast. Thank you, Gaurav. You know, it's, it's such, a, such a vibrant landscape. We have sudden co complexities that the energy world is facing. I think there are loads of talking points we could have, but perhaps let's start a little bit more holistically. The, the energy landscape, it's on the cusp of some very profound changes, some of which you have a front row seat to electrification, electronic mobility, the changing way of things, the changing way of life. So from where ABB sits, how do you view things through your prism? We, first of all, see a lot of opportunity to contribute as a company with the competencies we've acquired and built over many years. And basically what we're seeing globally is an accelerated shift towards more electrification uh, and more electrification, both in industrial production processes more generally, but also uh, in the context of our conversation here in the production and in the processing of hydrocarbons, as well as then also uh, with sustainability in mind, substituting where possible um, by renewable energies. And I think uh, more than looking at uh, technology roadmaps, this becomes very apparent if you look at the energy industries um, and the goals companies in the space have articulated. A lot of companies that uh, have been known and famous as oil and gas companies are uh, really today are repositioning as energy companies uh, repositioning from producing only hydrocarbons to serving energy needs more broadly. If you think, for instance, of Shell uh, was in a stated ambition of being the largest electricity producer uh, in the world already by 2030, if I recall, and many of the other international oil companies that are now actually international energy companies um, with uh, similarly bold ambitions. That's an exciting opportunity uh, also for us from a business point of view because it combines the competencies we've built over the years in supporting the hydrocarbon industries um, with uh, supporting the power generation as well as then the power consumption including uh, power management in view of a potentially more volatile uh, renewable energy uh, component that is increasing in the mix. So we see a lot of opportunity in staying close to our customers and supporting them in the transitions that they are embarking on. And uh, on our side, we've mirrored that also in actually merging our oil, gas and chemicals, as well as our power generation um, divisions into one that is now called energy industries. We did that one and a half years ago, closely listening to customers and have gotten a lot of positive feedback on that also. I think there's one question, one pressing question I, I ought to ask you is that when we discuss this, this march towards a low carbon future, a low carbon economy, the poster children of these uh, sort of low carbon economy happen to be electric vehicles an industry you're very familiar with and your market leaders in, in some of the solutions uh, that you provide. Yet, that, that sort of consumer, the end user anxiety about vehicular range and what EVs can or cannot do persists. Now, you have a front row seat. So over the last sort of few years, what have you encountered 
And what feedback can you share with us? It's uh, definitely there's a trend towards increasing electric uh, mobility. And at the same time, we have to say it's uh, one of uh, horses for courses, if you want to call it that. So not everything is solved with the same solution. If we look at kind of most immediately individual mobility, so the cars we would drive to get uh, to work or wherever else we, we need to get to, um, then ABB uh, started into uh, charging and in particular the fast charging infrastructure which is a key enabler if you think of range anxiety it's about uh, how far can I get and how long will it take to recharge and ABB embarked on that about 10 years ago in a major way is today leading in this space and we can basically today already with the leading solutions um, charge for 200 kilometers of range in just eight minutes. So I think uh, in terms of range anxiety um, in many uh, reasonably densely populated areas, also the, uh, the charging grid is uh, growing to a point where that is very convenient together with the battery capacity that gives you more range. So for most uh, practical applications and in individual mobility, there's good progress, but it won't solve everything. There will still be applications where you need, for instance, top-up charging um, on the way. There will be applications where uh, simply the energy density and the economics of storage for the time being will not be sufficient. So for instance, uh, if you take the marine sector, um, on, on short haul, on, on ferry, we've basically already electrified ferry connections, for instance, between Sweden and Denmark that are entirely uh, electrical. So uh, basically they charge when the passengers uh, off board and, and board. During that time, the vessel gets recharged. But for longer distances, um, instead, we're uh, now for 30 years in hybrid electrical propulsion, where you basically use the diesel engine uh, to generate electricity um, and then at a different uh, RPM, uh, turn the propeller and that construct gives you something like 15 to 20% of energy efficiency in typical applications plus other benefits. So it's also taken on very strongly uh, in the 30 years since uh, we first uh, pioneered this solution. I think that leads us very nicely to, to my next question. Uh, as, as commercial operators, as, as industry solutions providers, ABB has been reasonably pragmatic. I often hear yourself and your colleagues on the speaking circuit talk about the, the need for a balanced approach. So while we talk about decarbonization, we talk about mass digitalization, we talk about mass electrification, I suspect that both you and I are on the same page by perhaps saying that a diversity of fuels is definitely required when we discover a, a sort of a, a low carbon alamo at a safe pace. I would definitely agree that uh, differentiation is the answer here. There isn't a one size all. If you look at the, uh, the power needs, if you look at uh, the energy density constraints that are there. Clearly electricity overall is gaining share, uh, but electricity of course is not a source of energy, it's a carrier of energy. Um, so basically that energy uh, has to come from somewhere and that can be 
uh, hydrocarbon, it can be nu uh, nuclear, it can be renewables, it can be geothermal, but um, electricity here is a conduit. And, and first of all, electricity is already a conduit um, to better efficiency in hybrid uh, constellations, like I was just describing for marine. Um, and then second, electricity is a way of actually uh, building the optionality to integrate more renewables into the process. And that's also where electricity and automation go together very well, because you are, are potentially dealing with more volatility in the generation. So a good process power management accompanying a higher share of renewables in a more electrified process is giving you the combination of efficiency, sustainability and affordability that you look for um, when modernizing your equipment or when uh, planning for new capex in, in view of the changing criteria. I think one uh, product of yours that certainly uh, caught everybody's imagination, in fact, uh, your subsea power station solution that you unveiled in November 2019, got the financial press talking, got the scientific community talking, and to a large extent, got the mainstream media talking this. And, and for those who, who perhaps don't know it, with the solution you marketed, and I need to get this right, 100 megawatt uh, offshore power solution, as, high, as, as further away as 600 kilometers offshore, and to depths of 3,000 meters. Now, by any stretch of anybody's imagination in terms of powering offshore facilities, it looked and felt like a game changer to us in the analyst community. The competition is perhaps, and I'm pretty sure looking at it too. So looking at the approaching horizon, how crucial is this solution that you unveiled in November 2019 and where from here, sir? Well, thank you, uh, first of all, for summarizing it so well. And yes, indeed, we, we think it's a game changer. First of all, it's a game changer in the way it was developed because it actually was developed in a joint industry project together with uh, our partners and customers, Equinor, Total, and Chevron. So a lot of credit is due to our partners also. Um, and what we've developed is basically enabling uh, 30 years of subsea operation at 3,000 meters of water depth with the parameters that you've described, um, which first of all allows you to bring uh, the lords close uh, to the production, which of course is again an efficiency enabler. Second, uh, allowing for remote uh, unmanned production. Obviously, uh, you wouldn't want to uh, think of people at these kind of water depths. Um, and we've learned an awful lot about uh, also great spin-off ideas in terms of uh, life cycle management, in terms of the continued journey towards autonomous operations. Um, so beyond the game changer that subsea operation will be itself in the fields where it can make the difference between saving the cost for a, a top side, um, and basically gaining efficiency, reducing capex by uh, hundreds of millions potentially. Um, we are confident that there's a lot of opportunity in here, both for capex as well as for opex, as well as then there's great spin-off uh, innovations coming from it, as uh, you often find when you look at uh, pioneering uh, technology developments, they have unintended positive uh, spin-off consequences also. 
I think if I may very briefly, uh, ABB very kindly facilitated access to us in the, uh, in the analyst community, uh, to your partners, as you mentioned, Total, Equinor and, and, and Chevron, of course. Uh, it's been a few months and I, I suspect that as a commercial operator, you have opened up the dialogue to, to others in the industry. So how have the last sort of six or seven months of promoting your solution uh, to industry partners been? I, I think this is, uh, again, uh, not just the development, but also the application is a matter of the dialogue, but because it's always about a relative evaluation. So relative to other um, options of developing a field, um, here you have a new and initially unproven technology, proven only uh, at uh, the technology readiness level that we've uh, jointly brought it to. So that's a process that I think for good reasons is a conservative process, is a, a process where in dialogue you basically look at the relative economics of what it unlocks and uh, I'm confident that at the right time um, we, we will see a field that wouldn't be economic uh, without such a technology step and where we will then uh, see this deployed. Definitely so. And I, I think it ties us on seamlessly to, to another aspect of your business and, 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 and the industry dynamic. Uh, the DCS market, the, the distributed control system market, uh, is one where you've been, uh, if I may use the expression, all hands for a long time. You have a fifth of that market. You're among the market leaders. There is, especially since 2016, uh, when, when the oil price suddenly started plummeting, and then we had a little bit of a mini crisis. There was some pressure on your partner operators, your clients and your customers to have their operations as optimized as possible. So uh, on the subject of DCS systems and how you market them and what solutions you're providing to your end users, how big is the pressure that, that there are some certain pricing complexities in the market, in the oil market? Look, there's the, the beauty of basically now 20 years of being the global number one in distributed control systems. Uh, we've seen the ups and we've seen the downs. Um, so this isn't the first time we're running into a lower for longer kind of discussion. And it's always, and for good reason, it's serious because it's basically together with our customers unlocking the commercial viability of investments that could otherwise simply not be made. And, and the way we're contributing is of course, in partnership with our customers to drive uh, the initial uh, cost schedule and risk uh, elements down so that the CapEx becomes viable, but then also uh, help them project the safety, energy efficiency and productivity gains they will have in the operations phase. I think one thing that we're particularly proud of is our ability to integrate the electrification and the control of the electrical uh, with uh, the control of the process, um, where if you think of anything from, uh, to take a gas processing plant as an example, and imagine you have uh, just a small disturbance, a voltage uh, drop uh, for a couple milliseconds on the power grid side, under normal circumstances, you'd get a shutdown of the equipment. But here, basically, since we're able in milliseconds to also shed uh, loads of different criticality, we're basically um, proud of the differentiation we have 
in, in terms of making plants more resilient in view of a more volatile electricity supply that they can have. And then, of course, uh, the combination of diff combining um, technology on the one hand side with people who really understand the domain. That's also something um, that helps. And the rest is dialogue. Dialogue about where can we, uh, rather than just having a tougher price negotiation in a tough environment, how can we together unlock much bigger potentials with our customers um, that are productivity advantages for them and for us teaming up together? Sure. I think one of the, the challenges, and, and you probably suspected that I would ask you this question, is the challenge of the global pandemic, COVID-19, which has hit the industry and, and the global economy in, in, in general. And it, with it, it has raised the specter of remote working. Now, even back office IT generalists are finding it difficult to cope with this remote environment. You are not generalist, you are specialist in OT, in operation technology. So how different is a challenge for you to somehow manage remote working for offsite engineers and site developers and a whole host of people who are uh, involved in the energy landscape and of course the, the, the wider manufacturing sectors that you that you work with. Well, first of all, in, indeed, uh, the COVID pandemic is a, a huge burden on society and on the customers that we serve and also doesn't make our own operations any easier. Um, but uh, if, if you compare and imagine first that this would have happened to us 10 years ago, then basically 10 years ago uh, was the means of the time I think we'd be in a really tough spot and the mobility constraints uh, was people not able to get to uh, critical places where, that uh, need service capability and local competence, um, that could be a catastrophe. Um, if we look how we're weathering the current storm with our customers, um, I think the developments that we've made in digitalization, and in particular something that we call collaborative operations, where we connect not only the systems uh, with each other, but also connect the systems and the systems with the people and the people connected in parallel, and thus allow to basically provide expertise to a much greater extent remotely, so that you have somebody who can be local because he or she is at site, but might not be exactly the expert that you need. And now by connecting the systems and the people, you basically uh, supply the remaining expertise uh, over a distance by digital means. And, and that can be by the use of augmented reality. Uh, other times it's just an audio connection with a live connection into a system. Um, but uh, the fact that we've developed a very strong collaborative operations offering, uh, initially supporting customers in the marine industry. If you think of the crew out at sea on a vessel, um, they're quite remote from anyone you could bring in to help. And of course, they need to master critical situations or they also need to look after efficiency gains uh, as they operate. That's basically a technology where we already have about a thousand marine vessels that we're supporting. And from there, um, even before the pandemic, actually, we've already extended that to uh, hundreds of industrial sites that we're also supporting in this way. And I think digitalization in general and this collaborative operations approach where you connect systems and people um, for collaboration over distance. That's uh, something that I don't 
think we will see swinging back to uh, as much travel as before travel and, and connecting people and some on-site work is still needed. But I think technology has taken a step forward. Um, and I think uh, that step forward is something that, stay that will stay with us. Let me, let me narrow that focus down, but, but enhance perhaps the scope of the question primarily on the, uh, on the energy landscape and, and not just with your ABB's hat on, but as an industry thought leader's hat on, do you think we have to profoundly rethink how we do things within the energy sector because of the pandemic? Do we, it's, is, a, is a complete rethink required? Well, I think uh, there's a rethink going on already in, in multiple dimensions and um, the, the different angles of rethink uh, clearly, there's an energy transition going on, uh, like we started the conversation with um, oil and gas producers are becoming energy companies more broadly, including renewables, including for some of them uh, going all the way to end customers outside liquid fuels. So um, the energy change is going on. Second, I think with digitalization, um, yes, we're bridging distances, but we're also seeing a convergence of the operational technologies, the engineering technologies, the IT for greater productivity advantages. Basically, after a long period of um, defining productivity as in, in some way, the number of input output signals a single operator could handle, always in the OT space, it's basically reached a point where working across functions gives productivity advantages. So I, I think there's uh, a lot of changes going on in the industry and we're quite proud to participate uh, to all of them. I think that it's, it's been a fascinating conversation with you, but I, I can't let you go without asking a question on, on something you just literally just mentioned, which is convergence. As a company, ABB is in, is in robotics, it is in digitization, it is in electrification, industrial solutions, you name it. You have, as the, as the old expression goes, your fingers in, in several cookie jars, or if in the case of Switzerland, perhaps your fingers in several chocolate boxes, I should say. So how does this converge horizon offer you opportunities as a commercial operator and, and where do you see this convergence pattern I'm going? I think uh, there's a con continued uh, benefit of combining electrification, automation and digitalization and emerging and evolving uh, opportunities out of those together. That's uh, something we do for a broad range of industries, but in particular also the energy industries, the newly converged energy industries, I should say, um, where we're building on decades of domain expertise, but also the advantages and the synergies you can drive out of combining electrification, automation, and digitalization. Just think, for instance, of unplanned shutdowns in uh, the energy industries, uh, what customers are typically telling us is that uh, human error, rotating machinery, and power outages tend to be um, among the top causes of uh, the unplanned shutdowns. And uh, our analysis and collaboration with customers suggests that about 80% of that you can mitigate. And it's through a combination of working the electrification, the automation, and the digitalization um, that you can have a go at those 80%. Uh, 
Um, so that's savings on the operation side very clearly, but you can also use those uh, same synergies between dimensions to bring down the, the cost schedule and risk of the capital investment project. So in a time when making your projects economically work, um, make, getting them over the hurdle, here's something that we can also contribute in a great way. And uh, so I have to say, as a manager and as an engineer, I'm really excited about the opportunities we have out of the technology pace, out of the changes our customers are asking us to make with them. Um, so there's a lot of opportunity also in challenging time that together with our customers, we will master. Peter, thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Gora. Thank you all for watching and listening. For more details, go to adipec.com.